we ask for grace in the name of Jesus. We ask for understanding in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask, Lord, that you will impact us tonight in the name of Jesus. Thank you for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening, we will continue our theme for the month of June, which is also a loyalty month theme, which says obedience, key to divine multiplication. And our text for this loyalty month is taken from Luke chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. I'd like us to just go back there and read it so that we can always remember our team text. So if you're there and you would like to read, would appreciate that. Luke chapter 5, verses 4 to 6. Praise the Lord. This uh, scripture keeps reminding us that obedience is key to divine multiplication. That is, our, the acts that we always wish to obey and the acts that we obey is what will lead us to divine multiplication. And throughout this month, we have been looking at so many things that God is telling us. And the expectation of God is that we will be in obedience. You know, last week, I remember we learned about sacrifice. And God is expecting that when we are in obedience to that, it will bring multiplication. So today, we are going to learn another key that will allow divine multiplication in our lives. And tonight, the key is relationship. The key is relationship. Relationship as a key to divine multiplication. And tonight, we'll be taking a lot of examples from Abraham that has been our example since the beginning of this study. But I would like us to read a text that is different from the ones we had used before that summarizes this study tonight. And that is Mark chapter 12, verse 30 to 31. Mark chapter 12 from verse 30 to 31. It summarizes this key of relationship. Mark 12, 30 to 31. If you find, I would appreciate if you can read. You are to love the Lord Yahweh your God with a passionate heart from the depths of your soul with your every thought and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is this, you must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. Thank you. That is the summary of this study tonight as relationship as key to divine multiplication. It is, it is, I like to read from a loyalty month manual for this month, the introduction they give. I find it very nice, and I thought there was no better introduction to use than this one. So I just like to read it to us. It says, the Bible is univocal in its affirmation of God's ability to magnify and multiply small things. He made Abraham into a great nation. He fed thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Peter caught a multitude of fish. 
that got him and onlookers amazed. All of these are clear indication that God is not only able, but he is also willing to multiply us. We can draw encouragement from the testimonies of God's people and the biblical testimonies of divine multiplications. However, one of the keys to divine multiplication is relationship. In this introduction, it's making clear to us that it is the desire of God to multiply us. And it doesn't matter what we have, whether big or little, God can multiply. No matter what we have, whether big or little, as little as Abraham, one man, one man God made into a nation. Or is it the little boy that just had five loaves of bread and two fishes? Bible says he fed thousands of people. Or is it Peter that even had nothing? He had told all night and even got nothing. You know, in, 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 in science, they say zero times 1,000 is zero. Is that not what they say? But with God, it's not true. It's not true. Even when you have nothing, even when you have nothing, we are not talking about when you serve God. I'm talking about when in your house there's nothing. God can bring from zero to multiplication because God has done it before. So but we are being told tonight that there is something, one of the keys to divine multiplication is relationship. And uh, if we look at our outline there, I try to define some of the, some of the de- I try to pick some of the definitions I saw of relationship. The first one says, the way in which two or more people are connected. So relationship means you have a kind of connection with somebody. For example, if they say, are you related to this person? What the person asks, is there any connection between you and this person? It can be a blood connection. Oh, he's my uncle, he's my auntie, he's my niece, he's my grandfather. It can be a marriage connection. Oh, he's my in-law, he's my spouse, he's my brother, he's my brother-in-law, he's my sister-in-law. So you have a connection. It could be a business connection, a relationship. Oh, he's my business partner, we do business together. Is my boss in the office? Is my subordinate? Oh, is my supplier? Is my customer? So there is a relationship. So it is a thing. It is the it's state of being related. That's what we have been describing since. In, 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 in the way in which two or more people or groups relate or behave towards one another. It could be an emotional association, like marriage. So, what I would say, to, to, to get divine multiplication, there must be a connection between you and God. The key is connection. So, the, we're looking at these two, two, two types of relationship. The vertical relationship, that's this way, between you and God. And there is a horizontal relationship too between you and men. So the first one we are going to look at this evening is the vertical relationship, relationship with God. I'd like us to go back to that Mark 12, 30 to 31. Can we go back there? So that you will see why I said this study summarized in that passage, Mark 12, 30 to 31. Maybe you want to read for me in another version. I know Elizabeth read her version. Maybe another version. Mark 12, 30 to 31. Mm-hmm. Yep. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. Thank you. So from what we have read today, 
Can we see those two relationships God is talking about? Can we see the two relationships God is talking about? The first relationship will be between what? Yes, he says you will love the Lord your God. Abby? So that's the first. And the second relationship is what? Yes, fellow man and man, fellow human beings. So that's why I say this passage kind of summarizes the whole study tonight. So for us to receive divine multiplication, we must assess this key. And the first one is our relationship with God. And my question here is why? Why is our relationship with God key in our assessing divine multiplication? Why? We can, anybody on the, here or at home, please feel free. Why is it important? I think it's important because uh, for God to do what he wants to do in your life, you have to do what he wants you to do. In other words, it's predicated on your following certain instructions. God wants to multiply you. He gives you certain instructions. If you obey the instructions, then the result will come. If you don't obey the instructions, then it doesn't happen. Thank you, sir. Any other person wants to? Yeah. Yes. Um, yes, Pastor I think it's very important because for you to receive something from someone, you must know that person. You must have a relationship with that person. Somebody you don't know, somebody you have never met before, somebody you don't have a connection, you don't have anything. There is no expectation coming from that person. So for you to be able to receive from God, you must be in a relationship. It is when you are in a relationship that you can even ask him for certain things. It is then you can say, oh, you are lacking this, he can provide this for you. But if there is no relationship, there will be no communication. There will be no means of even relating with God to even say, these are my needs. Okay. Sir, Reverend Aliyah. No, I just wanted to say virtually the same thing. First of all, God has through his love. So, he's, he is like, he has giving us that connection. Ours is, do we have that connection back to him? If we see it like two-way traffic, he has come to us, and we getting back to him. That's why that particular relationship is very important. And like Pastor Lou has said, so that relationship has to be there. Praise the Lord. You will notice that here, we are talking about divine multiplication multiplication divine multiplication that is it's beyond i'm giving you your need do you understand it it's beyond i'm giving you your need it is talking about a multiplication giving you in excess of what you need is that what is multiplication why will God give you something in excess of what you need? What's the reason? So that you can just eat and grow very fat and build 20 houses and be moving from house to house. Why will God give you in excess of what you need? God yes, my sister. Go on. Yes, ma. Yes, sir. I'm listening to you, sis. Go on. Okay. God gives us so we can share with others. So that we can share. If you see a lot of people that God comes and gives in excess, he has a plan and he has a program. And he will not do that with people who have no relationship with him. You know why? Because just like Pastor Mentor said, you will not carry out the agenda of God. You will not. You will not. That's why we see today some people have a lot of money, but we see what they do with it. You understand? You will not. But as a believer, when he does that to you, he knows that you will do. Because we are going to read some of the things, some of the testimony of some people that God did that to. And you can see the way God vouched for them. 
So, our vertical relationship with God is the most important relationship we can have. Another thing that occurred to me today, do you know that normally when you are giving out to people, your relationship with them determines the way, the quantum of what you give. Do we agree? If I'm walking on the road now, except in, 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 in um, rare circumstances where the Holy Spirit maybe ministers to me, Abby, I'm walking around the road and somebody just meets me at the bus stop and say, hey, ma, good afternoon. I don't have money for, 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 for bus to go home. How much am I likely to give to the person? Maximum. Eh? A bus fare. Like how much maximum will you give her? 1,000. Yes, 1,000. Maximum, if you are, if you are okay. 1,000. Abby, some people will even give 500. But assuming I'm the one who approached Pastor Mentor, and I said, Pastor Mentor, sorry, I really don't have any money to take me around. Is he likely to give me 1,000? Are you likely to give me 1,000, Pastor Mentor? No. <laughs> He's not likely to do that, Abby. He's likely to think about maybe 5,000, maybe even 10 if he can afford it. You understand? Because the relationship puts the pressure on you to act differently. Is it not? The relationship puts the pressure on you to act differently. If a casual woman walks up to a man and says, ah, uh, ah, daddy or God, do something now. He knows how much he will give, Abby. But if it's his daughter that goes to him, daddy, will he do the same thing? He won't. Relationship is key to multiplication. We must have a relationship with God. The relationship first will come in the way that we must be saved, Abby. Secondly, it will come in the fact that we are beginning to truly put our trust in God. So, looking at our line, I said there are many people in the scripture who had intimate relationship with God. We have Abraham, we have Moses, we have David, we have Peter, we have John, and we have Paul. And I've taken the privilege to quote some of the things about these people. Look at Abraham. I would like us... It's, it's, it's in our outline, so you can just read out if you have a mic on you. Abraham, what did God say about him? For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what was spoken to him. Read the second one so that somebody else... He sees the form of the Lord... Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Numbers 12, 6 to 8. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Deuteronomy 34, 10. You see who this Moses was? He knew God face to face. And God also do what? In the second one. No, the second, Deuteronomy 34, 10. God knew him face to face. Isn't that interesting? God said, look, if there's a prophet among you, I will speak to them in visions. They will see dreams. He said, but this one is a different sect. Me and him will speak face to face. Most is the only one that God will say, come up here, Abby. And he will go and sit with God in the cloud. And God will be giving Moses instructions. It was so wonderful that God gives Moses specific instructions. When you are building this, it will be three by four, four by six. This is the height. This is how you will quote it. And when God finishes, he will say, make sure you build exactly what I have told you. Is that not? And when Moses comes down, he will give the children of Israel what? That instruction. Not only will he give them, he will actually write it down. Bible says every time he will write it down. And these are the things that became all the laws that the children of Israel were carrying about. Relationship is key. You may ask yourself, how will I enter that kind of relationship with God? 
That's my question. How do you think Moses got to that level of relationship with God? How did he get there? Yes, ma. Moses obeyed God and he spent time with God. Moses obeyed God. Yes. That was key. Obedience was key for Moses. Anyhow God said it, that's how he did it. And do you know another thing that surprised me about Moses? Because I've just finished studying Moses of recent. When the children of Israel would ask Moses a question that God did not tell him about, he would tell them, I'm coming. Let me go and do what? Ask God. When he has finished, he will come to them. He, Moses had no opinion. I like to do it this way. I think this is how God will like it. He was so key on obeying God. And Moses spent quality time with God. Even when he was given instructions that were bigger than him, Moses would go on and do it. There was another aspect of Moses that surprised me. By the time Moses, the children of God said, ah, ah, why did you give us water? And God told him, oh yeah, speak to the rock. And he struck the rock. And God was not happy with him and said, look, you didn't honor me. You didn't My mind is made up on this issue. He let it go. And when it was time for Moses to die, because God told him, now it's time for you to die. You will go up that hill, you will look at the land, and that's where you will die. Everything that Joshua needed to do, Moses made sure he handed over to Joshua. And I began to look at him and said, how many of us will feel that way? Relationship is key to divine multiplication. The next man, David, David, if you have a mic and you like to read. David. After removing Saul, mm. he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Mm. Acts 13.22 Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers for meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Psalm 119. Praise the Lord. I love this because not only did David, did God talk about David, and I know that this man will do everything I want him to do, but look at what David said of himself. Look at what David said of himself. He says, I love your law. That is, God, I love your commandments. I meditate on it all day. You know, when we teach children in school, we used to say, I think about it day and night. Sometimes you ask yourself, what do you think about day and night? How to make money? How to do better? What do you think about? David said, this is, what, this is my thought. I think about it. And I love to obey them. I don't just think about it. I love to obey them. Relationship with God. The next person we find here is Peter. Peter. Somebody wants to read to us about Peter. Simon Peter answered. That was Peter. Even when everybody was leaving, he told himself, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with this God. He had a relationship that was unmovable, you know, with God, with God. Then the last person we are going to, oh, second to the last, we're going to look at John. Look at the testimony of John, one of the disciples of Christ. What did he say? John, first John 1, 1 to 3. 
which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That's John 1. Thank God. John had a relationship with God. He was sure. He said, look, what we have seen, we have touched. That's what I'm telling you about. We know him and we have fellowship with him. And the last but not the least, Paul, as somebody who was born out of time, as he says about himself, Paul. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1 verse 21. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow, attending to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Praise the Lord. So we see, you know, all those people had a relationship with God, proven, proven. So reading, meditating, believing, and, and obeying God's word is important in maintaining this relationship. We need to read, we need to meditate, we need to believe, and then we need to obey. Deuteronomy 32, 47 says to us something important. He says, Moses was talking to them, he said, look, these words I'm giving to you, they are not idle words. So they are not just, you know, things that are not important. He says, it is your life. This is what will give you life. He said, this is what will prolong your days. That relationship with God is key to our multiplication. To experience divine multiplication, we must build a good relationship with God. We must build a good relationship with God. And as we said earlier, it comes in obedience. It also comes with taking time to obey God. Taking time to read his word. Taking time to be in his presence. So we look at the second one. It says relationship with people that is the horizontal relationship i want us to discuss this idea when we say to ourselves as long as i'm serving my god it doesn't matter what goes on around me it doesn't matter what people say anything else doesn't matter as long as I'm serving my God. What do we think about that? The way I behave to other people, the way I live with other people, the way I interact with them does not matter as long as I'm serving my God. Does it matter? Does my interaction with my boss with my spouse, with my neighbor, with people around me, does it matter as long as I'm serving God? I want us to talk about, does it matter? It matters. How, sir? Because inclusive in your service of God, in service of men, you can actually say, if you don't love human beings, you see. How can you say you love God you don't see? I like what Pastor Menton has just said. Your serving God is inclusive of the way you also serve human beings. Abby, that's what he's telling us today. So we're looking at this thing, say, horizontal relationships are those that exist between you. We are listing people, your fellow workers, your bosses, your subordinates, your spouse, your family, your neighbor, your friend everybody that you have any kind of interaction with that is within 
your area. So you have a relationship. Now, there are some three things I want us to distinguish tonight or maybe to define. Love, friendship, compromise. Are they the same thing? Are they the same thing? Love, friendship, compromise. Are they the same thing? They are not. So what is love? What is love? What is love? Ah, a lot of people are married here. They say it's my love. You're even calling somebody love. What is love? <laughs> okay, I would define it as um, genuine affection towards someone. Genuine affection towards someone. I like that. Yes, ma. Maybe we we'll use the um, the definition from First Corinthians. Chapter 13, which says that love is patient, is kind, does not uh, behave himself, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, does not um, behave unseemly, um, does not record any wrongdoing, does not keep a record of any wrongdoing. I'm sure I've missed one or two, but at least basically that's um, how we should exhibit love, Thank show you. love. Hmm. Thank you, ma. I thought uh, I was in Pastor Lowe's hands. No. Okay. Now, what is friendliness or friendship? I would explain why I'm trying to define these things so that we. What is friendliness or friendship? Ask, acting favorably towards somebody. Yes. You know, wanting to be kind to them, we show them favor. It's actually a demonstration of love. So acting favorably towards somebody. Hmm? Friendship is also maybe sometimes one thing to have interaction with somebody. You, you're, you're friendly. Abby? Okay, what is compromise? What is compromise? Say going out of your way to provide some form of support to someone mm -hmm. at the expense of sometimes your like on, on your, at your personal costs. Okay, I love that. Going out of your way to provide something for somebody, to be in agreement with somebody at the expense of maybe your comfort, your belief, your own idea. Abby, that's compromise. Now we'll go. Love, love. In our horizontal relationship with men, should we love all men? Should we love all men? Yes, sir. That's God's command. Mm -hmm. God wants us to love all men, including our enemies. Pastor says that God. Let's go there. Romans 13, verse 8 and 10. Romans 13, verse 8 and 10. Should we love all men? If you find it, you can read Romans 13, 8 and 10. Thank you. So, God expects us, like Pastor Menzo says, to love all men. You know, we define love just now. Because when we're looking, looking at love, love is not just a romantic love. That's what we're talking about. That is to be kind to other people, to tolerate them, not to count their wrong, so we can love all men. Now, let's go. What of friendship and friends? Can we be friends with all men? Can we be friends with all men? Can we be friends with all men? 
On the basis of the word of God. Eh? On the basis of the word of God. Because I love not the world, the nothing's in the world. In other words, if people are in the world, I cannot be friends with them. It'd be a lifestyle uh, uh, not of the kingdom. I cannot be friends with them. Okay. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-three. Because we're dis we're differentiating between love and friendship now. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-three. What do, does it say? Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Please say it again, sir. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You know, because sometimes we, we don't differentiate between loving men and being friends with them. Loving them means that when we see them, you see that all these unbelievers are hate them. We don't hate them. We don't hate them. We do good to them. We tolerate them. We are patient with them. But we don't keep company with them. Because very soon, just look what Pastor Mentor says will begin to happen. You will start having issues. You start having issues with them. You know? So you won't be a believer. Because we are talking about that vertical relationship. You will not be a believer. And all the circle of people around you are unbelievers. You are standing on slippery ground. Why do you think you are standing on slippery ground? Why? If you are a believer, on all your immediate circle of friends are unbelievers. Why are you standing on slippery grounds? Because their action can influence you. Their action can influence you, yes. Ah, we are not getting any response from uh, this side. Because why also? The actions can influence you. Where will you get your counsel from? Where will you get your counsel from? Your friends, the immediate people around you. So when issues come, they're the first people who will counsel you. Also, they also become the first person that looks out for you. Is it not true? They look out for you too because they are your immediate. If something is happening to you, they're first to tell you how to behave, how to react, how to correct you. So something happens now, and he says, "No, no, boy, don't take that too. That's not right. You have to show him. He's going to take you for granted." And when you are doing what is wrong, because it's not wrong before them, and they're not going to stop you. They're not going to tell you you are going the wrong way. They're going to give you comments like, ah, oh boy, don't they shout now, now. You know? When your believer friend will tell you, my brother, mm -mm, this is not right. So we're talking about, you know, relationship with men, you know? So the next one, we're talking about compromise. Is compromise good or bad? Is compromise good or bad? Thank you, my brother. Huh? I think it depends. It's relative. Because a situation of compromise can lead you to do something that is against your wills or mm. ideas or character. And because you love your, your fellow man, you want to dive, de delve into that. Mm. So I would say it's relative. It depends on the situation. Yeah. Compromise. You know, sometimes compromise is good. When we are not being in sin, when it brings peace between two people. Abi, in a home now, daddy say let the car be white, mommy say let the car be black, and then you start fighting. And it's okay, let's buy black, this will bring peace to the house, that's no problem. Where compromise becomes bad is when compromise mean you will step out of faith and go against God's law because you want to compromise. So there are some verses we are going to look at in our relationship with men, in our relationship with men, we have looked at the fact that we're supposed to love all men. We have looked at the fact that what bad company can do. The next one is towards men, Job 6.14. We're supposed to show what? Job 6.14. If you have it, please, can you read? 
Job 6.14 Anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. It says anyone who withholds kindness from a friend. What have you done? What have you done, Ma? It says you have done something. That means the fear of God is not in you. If you are cruel, you are not kind. Because when we are talking about our relationship, and most of the time when we talk about kindness, you are a boss in the office, you are a Christian. How do you treat your subordinates? You run a shop, you have shop girls, how do you treat them? You have housekeepers in your home, how do you treat them? Do you treat them with kindness? The Bible says if you don't do that, that means the fear of God is not in you. In fact, the children of God, God told them, he said, don't be cruel to foreigners, though. He said, because you yourself were foreigners in Egypt, and I showed you mercy. So in our relationship with such people, the Bible expects us to show kindness. To show kindness. Now we want to go to our neighbors. We want to go to our neighbors. Um, two, two Sundays ago, we had a home fellowship in my house. And you know, in my, in my streets, we have a lot of um, security guards that keep people's uh, along the street. So every Sunday, when we finish home fellowship, our, the kids, they would always take something. Most of the time, they take chin-chin. So when, we are, when the kids are going, all the guards are always on the road, and you know, they are greeting. So we will take the chin-chin, and we give to all the guards on the road. So as the children are coming out, they're already looking, say, ah, Chinchi will come. So as we are, and then I see the kids off a little bit, and they're like, ah, good evening, Ma. I know it's, the, you know, the Chinchi, they greet, we greet. So two Sundays ago, a, a new kid joined us in the home fellowship. So as I came out of the gates to see her, because her parent came to pick her, to see her into the car. And then my neighbor, and I was just, oh, the, all the guys on this side, they were ah, madam, good evening. I said, good evening. Then she turned to me. She said, ah, auntie, you people are very friendly on this street. Too. I said, eh, why? He said, ah, ah, everybody seemed to be greeting you in this street. And I just smiled. So when, we, when I got inside, I told myself, I said, sometimes we are in a neighborhood your neighbor to your left, to your right, across, you don't even know who they are in this. Is it right? Is it right? I want somebody to talk about, is it right? Oh. It's not right. Because sometimes when it's now time to witness to them, how are you going to do it? Somebody you don't greet, and you're on the same streets. You don't greet each other. And you are a Christian on the same street. You don't talk to them. Nothing wrong with just saying, you see them pass, good morning, good afternoon. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. To look out for your neighbor. To look out for your neighbor. You know, God expects us. In fact, the Bible says that if you find your neighbor's sheep that fell down, oxen, he said, if you don't help and pick it up, God will not be happy with you. You know, this new age now, we turn our face away and say, it's not my business. Relationship. 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 Now, let's go to family. We're going to family now. Because God is also expecting... Because we say this key, that horizontal relationship is key. The way we relate with one another inside our family. We talk about the children. How are they supposed to relate? In obedience and respect to their parents. Is it not? In obedience and respect to their parents. And then how are their parents supposed to relate to them? 
How are parents supposed to relate to their children? The fathers should not provoke their children. Yeah. We should not provoke them. But not only that, there's a second part of it. There's something left in that scripture. So let's quickly look at it. It's not only not to provoke them. There's something else in that scripture. I think it's Ephesians 6. 6, I think verse 3 or 4. Let's quickly look at it. It's not only not to provoke them. There's something else there. You know, because we always remember that one. There's the other. It's the instruction and what discipline is their work to give them instruction. And for me, I say to hold their hands and walk along with them and help them. We can never be too busy to say we don't have time. As much as we have those high expectations of them, we should also help them to achieve those expectations by holding their hands. And by correcting them too when they do what is wrong. That's our duty. That's our duty. Then as relationship among husband and wife. Because we are talking about relationship as key to multiplication. If I want my family to multiply. What should be my relationship with my husband? What should be my relationship with my wife? So let's look at that. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Imitate God since you are the children he loves. Live in love as Christ also loved us. He gave his life for us as an offering and sacrifice, a soothing aroma to God. So the first key, say we should do what? We should walk in love. That is, our treatment to one another should be love-based. Then now let's look at, we just pick from, from the same chapter, verse 21. We're just going to pick a few. 21, let's see 21 and 22 what the wife will do, 21 and 22. Place yourselves under each other's authority out of respect for Christ. Wives, place yourselves under your husband's authority as you have placed yourselves under the Lord's authority. So he has told the wife what he should do. Now let's go. Th 25, what should the husband do? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. We're talking about relationship between husband and wife as key to multiplication. So I cannot sit down here and disrespect God's word and say, I will not submit, I will not place myself under the authority of any man and then expect that God will give my whole multiplication. It won't happen. Or I cannot be a husband, I'm praying, I'm fasting, and I do not love my wife. Not just anyhow, we say as Christ did was love the church and gave himself sacrificial love. And then I'm asking for multiplication. Because we are talking about relationship that will help for multiplication. If we want that to happen, then we must do that. So within our family, we must also be living in obedience to God's word to expect there to be multiplication. Children doing their part, living in obedience. Fathers and mothers doing their part to their children. Husband to, his, to the wife and wife to the husband. All of us live. And if you go down the same way, he even talks about the way that um, in a, I think it's in a chapter, the same chapter 6, 1 to 9, he even talks about how housekeepers domestic servants, people who, who work under others, how they ought to behave. My question is this. Is God interested in your secular work? Or God is only interested in your spiritual work, the work you do in church? Is he interested in the work you also do in your office? Yes, can somebody please, uh, let's talk about it. Is God interested in it? Yes. Why, sir? Because before God, you are just one person. So whether you're working in the office, you're working in the church, 
anything you are you are a reflection of the god that is in you anywhere you go you are a light so whatever you do if there are things you are doing and you are not showing that you know god or you are portraying god in a bad light then it's not acceptable to god so to god there is no distinction between this is your secular job this is your spiritual job as far as god is concerned it's just one person so you can function in your office where you are in your office show yourself as someone who know god who love god and who will obey and do the things of god so it doesn't there's no there's no difference between them okay let's go to ephesians chapter 6 verse 7 and see how god looks at this ephesians chapter 6 verse 7 i would like you to read if you have an niv i like the way the niv puts it serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the lord not people please can you take that seven again serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the lord not people that is the expectation of god you know some of us are in our office and our impression is this i beg this one is uh, uh, eight to five let me do and get out of the place abby but the bible says serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the lord eight why what's the reason eight because you know that the lord will reward each one for whatever good they do whether they are slave or free the lord rewards it's not your office that will reward you it's not salary that they are paying you that will reward you as you are doing that work faithfully let them not promote you let them not add to your salary god says he will do what he will reward you your reward is going to come from god so god is interested in every area of your life there is a man in the scripture that was doing that daniel abby in all the governors that were chosen he excelled there was a testimony that this person is different he was serving a king and not even a king in his own country he was serving a foreign king in another country they took him there it's like they captured them like slave and took them to another country but even there he was serving faithfully he distinguished himself so we cannot come to church and say ah, i mean i don't have time let me just quickly finish and go to church that's where i'm going to go and serve if in your secular work you are not serving well your testimony there will not allow others to even want to come to christ so what are we talking about relationship as key that relationship you maintain in your office with your boss with your subordinates with your colleagues your attitude to work is key to your multiplication now let us to look at the last one before we look at the third part of this one our relationship to government do we have any relationship with government as christians do we have any relationship with government as Christians? Do we have any relationship? We do. First square, in our tenets of faith, what do we say we do? We believe in what? Civil government. We say we believe in civil government. Because that's what the Bible teaches. So let's look at it. Romans 13 verse 1. Romans 13 verse 1. So, God expects us to be subject to authority. Hmm. I'm a Christian, and there's so much traffic. All the buses carry one way, me too, I join them. Is it right? Is it right? And ah, I'm the one leading Bible study, and I'm almost late. Abby, and I follow them so that I can get to church early. Is it right? 
if policeman last man catch me now, what am I going to do? I will beg him and say, oh, sorry, sir, I'm a pastor. I'm just hurried to church. Is he going to think, would that be a good testimony? All, all this money, we are even paying for tax. Self. Some people are just chopping it, so I will not pay my tax. Is it right? Is it right? It's, it's not right. Okay, Mark, Mark 12, 14 to 17. Let's look at it. Mark 12. We are not the first person to face that kind of situation. Mark 12. Mark 12. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. And they were amazed at him. These people came to him too. All these Roman uh, governments that are oppressing us, that are not treating us well. Should we be giving them our tax? And Jesus told them, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And what is God's? Give to God. So, God expects us. We're talking about our relationship. God expects us to relate well with government and government authorities. These are all the people that we need to re relate with because these are all the people in our environments. We find that, that we can go and read that at home, Genesis chapter 12 up to chapter 14. You will find the relationship of Abraham with different sets of people he was living with at his time. His relationship with his family members, Loth, the kindness he showed to him, the places he visits and how he lived within the community. As a Christian, our relationship with others, people around us, family, friends, neighbor, place of work, governing authority, they are important to God. They are key to multiplication. We have a vertical relationship with God. We have a horizontal relationship with men. You know, just that this, this, the, we are going to go to that scripture where it talks about the fact that if people you see, you don't love them, how are you confessing that you love God? So the third part of this outline talks about some of the things that we can see that will help us to know that we are, we are maintaining good relationship. Some of the things that we will see. The first one is good communication. First of all, would, if we have good communication with God, that is your prayer life is going on well. Your Bible study life is going on well. Then you know that your relationship with God is going on well. But if you are not praying, you are struggling to pray, you don't read the word of God, then there is a problem. Then also, if your communication with other human beings are not going on well, then there is a problem too. There are some people I'm keeping mildly sweet. There are some people I'm not talking to. There are some people I don't greet. There are some people I talk to anyhow, then we have a problem. So we examine our communication. That's one thing we can look at and we'll be able to tell whether our relationship is going on well or not. The second key to look at is hospitality. Are we hospitable? Are we hospitable? Romans twelve thirteen. What does it say? Romans twelve thirteen. Romans twelve thirteen. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Are we hospitable? I hear a lot of people say, I like the company of myself. As they are, I like the company of myself. 
That is, I, I like being alone. I like being with myself. I don't like anybody to come into my space. Children of God, we must be hospitable. Our life must be open. People should be able to come in. People should be, we should, we should be able to spread around to affect people around us. We must be hospitable. You know, Abraham was somebody that was hospitable, is he not? He saw three strangers just going and invited them into, into his house. He didn't even know that they were angels. He said, come into my house. Rest. The Shunammite woman was hospitable. He saw that prophet. He told the husband. He said, I've been seeing this man going up and down. He's a prophet. Don't you think we should do something so that he can be comfortable? Christians are supposed to be hospitable. Checking also friendliness. Friendliness. Being friendly. Being friendly. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 18.24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sits closer than a brother. Yeah. Being friendliness. You know, especially when we come into the family of God, it's very important that we are friendly. Because people come into this family and they are looking for warmth. They are looking for fellowship. They are looking for a family. Being friendly. Then the last and not the least is love. I want us to read that, that verse. That's the one that Pastor Mentor, you know, talked about today. I'd like us to read it. First John 4, 20 to 21. That's the one Pastor Mentor gave us this evening. He said, if you say you love God and you don't love your fellow men that you are seeing, he says you are a liar. Because how can you love God you have not seen and yet the men that you see, you don't love them? Some of the things in the past that used to put a lot of people off Christians were before Christians thought um, not loving other people was holiness. Not loving other people was holiness. You live in a compound and you don't greet your neighbors. I mean, these houses that you have, maybe rooms, and you don't greet your neighbor. You are in your room, you are praying, and you hear noise from your neighbor in distress, and you don't go there. You don't go there. It's not your business. You are the only one at home, and it rained. You pick only your own clothes from the line, and you enter your room. These are some of the things we do. And the unbeliever will go to the line and pack all the clothes. And then when you have a program, you take your flyer and be going from room to the room to room. You know what they will do with your flyer? What would they do with it? They will, they will tear it. They will shred it. They will shred it. The Bible says, if the people we see, we don't love them, how can? Or you are at home. You are not dealing well with your family, your children. And then you are telling them, let's pray, let's go to church. They will go with you as long as they are still under your instructions. As long as they grow up and they are independent, they will not go again. Because they cannot see you practice 
what you say you believe. So, in, um, in conclusion, it says, relationship is key to divine multiplication. Remember, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. Mark 12, 30 to 31. Before we take questions, I just want us to pray this evening. We've said a lot of things. As I looked at this study this evening myself, a lot of things God spoke to me. If there's something you are not doing right, this is the time to talk to God about it. Because God wants to multiply us. But these things are essential for God to multiply us. So if there's any area you know you are not doing right, is it with your family? Is it with your neighbor? Is it in your place of work? Is it with the government? That's the area where I looked at myself to say, oh, in government I've not been fair. I've not done well. I don't know what area you have identified tonight. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. So that in obeying God's word, in keeping good relationship both with him and men, multiplication will come into our lives. Ask God to help you as he helps me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.